How can average working citizens like us, how can we reform our unjust financial system to erode the wealth and power of big banks, traditional corporations, and the super rich, and redistribute that wealth and power to average working citizens without relying on politicians or regulations? This is the question we ask on the Crowd Effect podcast. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy, activist, investment advisor, and founder of Stakeholder Enterprise. On today's show, we are going to continue our discussion on democratic vehicles of change, specifically the vehicle of change that I will be talking about is crowd lending. But first off, let's talk about banks, traditional banks, uh, and the services that they do provide. Uh, banks are a wonderful, safe place to keep money. They are FDIC insured, um, meaning that up to $100,000, the United States government will guarantee that your money will be safe there. Uh, and that's huge, um, especially back uh, prior to the Great Depression where that did not exist and you know, people lost all their savings. Well, that's no longer the case anymore. Um, another thing that, uh, that banks do traditional banks, they provide checking accounts, uh, on top of uh, savings accounts, which also provide incredible convenience for people. Um, it's convenient to store your place, uh, to, to store your money in a place where you can, uh, link certain bills for auto pay. Um, you can also access um, ATM machines, especially with the, with the big banks, the major banks, uh, the four major banks, they have ATMs all over the place, all over the, the country, and it makes it incredibly convenient. Uh, they also make, uh, they have a lot of money. Uh, so, so their websites are, are, are very convenient to, to use. It's easy to, to apply for loans, um, and, uh, lines of credit. And these are just some of the things that, that big banks provide uh, people. They also have um, spending reports on their websites and helpful things to, uh, if you have a small business, it, it's helpful to uh, collect information uh, on your own expenses. Um, and, and so, yeah, those are some of the things that uh, traditional banks offer. Uh, you know, I just mentioned the four major banks. Uh, these four banks uh, hold half of all of banking assets in, in the United States today. Uh, the, the number one uh, bank, which has the, the most uh, banking assets, is uh, Chase. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Uh, the, the, what, rounding off, uh, rounding off the, the top four is Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. Now, uh, I mentioned some of the good things they, they do, um, but it, there is a cost uh, to this. Uh, first of all, the sheer number of violations that these four banks alone um, have caused is, is staggering. So I, I have some 
some figures here. Uh, so the, the top three banking violations, according, according to the violation tracker, which tracks, um, it's a really awesome website if you're interested in, in tracking corporate um, violations. And they've been keeping track since 2000, really since records have been digitized. Um, so these are as of 2000, the violations that they've, they've found. Uh, so the top three uh, banking violations are toxic investments, uh, toxic securities, uh, another way of saying investments, um, uh, investor protection violations. So they are um, exploiting their, the, the investors that are going on to their platforms. They're exploiting them. Uh, that's they're violating the investor protections and then you're just run-of-the-mill banking violations you know overcharging fees uh you know wells fargo had that huge settlement just uh, a couple of years ago with their with all the fees these these excessive fees that they were charging in and really weren't even uh telling uh, clients they're also um uh, going behind their clients back and setting up other bank accounts for them when they didn't ask for it so they can charge more fees. There's all this kind of crazy stuff, uh, but yeah, banking violations. Um, so the top four banks with their toxic security abuse, um, they've had almost $50 billion in penalties since 2000, 35 violations. The, the of the top four we can break it down further chase has seven bank of america has 11 wells fargo has seven and citigroup has 10. um wow investor protection violations um 30 billion dollars in penalties since 2000 30 billion yeah, 75 violations for Chase, 115 for Bank of America, 82 for Wells Fargo, and 66 for Citigroup. Banking violations, you're just run-of-the-mill banking violations. $14.6 billion in, in banking violations of the, of the big four. Uh, 14 of those were committed by Chase, 14 committed by Bank of, the, of America, 17 for Wells Fargo, and 13 for Citigroup. Um, now, traditional, these four major banks, um, they, they do loan a tremendous amount of money that stimulates uh, the U.S. economy, that makes it grow. However, um, anytime a bank, uh, issues a loan, they are creating money. This is how the vast majority, some estimates as high as 97% of all money is created this way, uh, with in, uh, these traditional banks issuing loans. Now there are, they're able to issue, issue loans based on the deposits of account holders like you, you and me. 
So we put our money into Chase, let's say, and let's say we have $5,000 in Chase. Now, if, if Chase uh, issues a loan for $5,000, it doesn't come out of our bank account. Our bank account doesn't go up and down based on the loans that Chase is issuing. But Chase can't issue these the the, the amount of loans unless there are um, there's account holders is is you know depositing money on there. So if if Chase has you know a hundred billion dollars worth of um, and I'm not sure if they do or not. Um, I'm making that number up. They probably have a lot more uh, uh, in the trillions, I would imagine. Uh, let's say that they have, well, maybe not. I know that the, the four that, that, that Americans have a combined $1.75 trillion in all, uh, in, in banks in savings and checkings. That doesn't include small business accounts though, or institutional, uh, you know, large business accounts. Uh, that that the, just personal savings. So uh, I, I imagine that if you include, uh, you know, business accounts and institutional accounts, we're talking trillions of dollars. Um, probably not that hard to find out. So let's say Chase has a hundred billion dollars um, that uh, that account holders have deposits in. Now Chase they can through something called uh fractional reserve lending they can loan out um based on a percentage that the federal government allows so they say okay you can loan out um 90 of what uh, of account holder deposits uh, so if it's a hundred billion dollars then they can legally loan out 90 billion and that 90 billion will will be created it, it's that this is how money is created through through these loans that um commercial banks offer um but that the today the federal government is zero percent so uh banks like chase can loan out 100 percent uh, of the amount of deposits that uh, account holders have. So if it's a hundred billion today, they're allowed to loan a hundred billion dollars. You know, imagine if you or I could do that, like, Hey, I've got five grand in the bank. I'll loan you five grand, but I don't actually have to, uh, put up my five grand for it. That's it's pretty wild if you, if you think about it. So, so, so these banks are, are doing that and some money creation is vital for our economy. This is how the uh, economy grows. GDPs grows and you're not keeping the, the pie, the same size where, where everyone's fighting for a slice of the pie. Instead, the pie is always getting larger with, with money creation. And that way it, it gives an opportunity for other people to uh, get a slice. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case. The rich are getting richer um, and it's our, our pie is expanding, but the share for just average working citizens 
is not increasing. Um, and, and that's a problem. And largely because these, these uh, uh, commercial banks are, are loaning to exploitive companies and projects. Um, they're exploiting their own customers, as I just mentioned, with the toxic securities, the investment uh, protection violations. Um, so they're exploiting their customers. They're exploiting, um, uh, they're funding exploitive companies, projects, and, and all of which are, are businesses that aren't including all stakeholders. Um, uh, again, a, a stakeholder is anyone who has interest in the success of a business. So it can be customers, employees, vendors, suppliers, um, the community the company serves, uh, shareholders and investors, the environment. Those, those are all stakeholders. And um, these banks aren't investing in projects that have all stakeholders uh, that, that have a responsibility to all stakeholders. Instead, it's just a responsibility to, to just one stakeholder, really, investors and shareholders. So because of this, just a single focus of responsibility, um, the rich are getting richer. That this is how it, and the money pie is growing bigger, but uh, the working average working people aren't getting um it, it, their share isn't it growing so yeah this is a problem a huge problem right richer getting richer um the banks are abusing their customers um and it publicly i mean it's not I, this isn't hidden this is really easy to find this information um and yeah, they have great marketing. Oh, gosh, big banks are so convenient to use. Uh, I get it. Um, I, I do bank with a credit union. My business has a, is, is banking with a credit union, same with my personal account. But I do have a Chase credit card, business credit card. That I, it just, the convenience of it, you know, I, I, I know that's, that's, that's hypocritical of me to, to be saying that. And, but, you know, we're all um, kind of almost a slave to this system until there's better options. You know, I, I couldn't survive without my Chase card. Uh, sad as it is to say, um, that is the truth. So what, do, what are we going to do about it? I, I, I want to do something different, not have a Chase card. Well, this is where crowd lending comes in. So we put our money into these banks and the banks instead, they, they, they go out and, and because that we put our money in, they're allowed to loan money and, and create it. And for the, for us putting money into their, their bank, they give us just horrible, horrible interest rates for, for our savings accounts. You know, we're talking, if you're lucky, 1%. It's nuts. It's crazy. And what are they doing? They're making double-digit returns off of our uh, money. So this is why I love crowd lending. This is why it's a vehicle of change. Because you, instead of putting your money into 
uh, um, a exploitive bank, you you are loaning directly to people and projects you care about. You have now the power to loan money to a small business. Uh, you have the power to loan to make a personal loan to um, to to finance a, a real estate project that improves the community. Um, and so that's just one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect is that now um, the average working citizen can get a, increase their sh uh, share of the pie of this money supply. Um, and on, on top of that, the because of the low minimum requirements for uh, crowd lending, you know, we're talking ten dollars. Uh, some of them now there there are they've lowered it and it's a dollar. You could get involved in crowd lending with one dollar to loan, and but there there is a drawback. You know, with a um, a savings account, you can take your money out whenever you want. Well, crowd lending, uh, there are there are ways where you're constantly getting. Uh, the loans repaid and you can set it up in a way where you're getting new streams of income. So, and that's, that's where uh, an investment advisory firm is super helpful, such as stakeholder enterprise, because this is what we specialize in. We specialize in crowd investing and, and, and having a, a plan uh, for average working citizens to put their money into uh, crowd lending, skipping not by and skipping the big banks. The big banks, you're you're not um, you're not fueling this system of of greed. Instead, you're you're loaning directly to other people. It's a peer to peer approach, um, and a lot of crowd lending is called peer to peer lending. Uh, so. So crowd lending has the opportunity for the average working citizen to grow their share of the money supply pie. It has the opportunity to um, reverse income inequality by, uh, by funding uh, companies and projects and people that promote the well-being of uh, each other and our planet's finite resources. And also, um, by crowd lending, uh, you're also slowing down this inflation too, because there is too much money supply every year. That's why inflation happens. There's, you know, that's a, a standard looks like two to three percent is kind of typical. I know recently we're at eight nine percent, which is even nuts. Um, but this this money supply, there isn't that balance right now. And with more people, instead of putting their money into bank accounts, which which these commercial banks will will loan out, instead you're you're putting your money and you're loaning it directly to someone, and we're not creating any money that way. So it's a way to stem inflation as well. So I, it's I mean, what an incredible vehicle of change we're talking about. Um, uh, stemming inflation, um, reducing income inequality, uh, 
um, preventing toxic security abuses and investor protection violations, um, uh, giving uh, average working piece, uh, people an opportunity to in increase their own uh, wealth. Uh, and, and it's a way for not the rich to get richer, but the people to get richer and a way we can all uh, equally share on this uh, increasing um, pie of, of money. So gosh, I just, I just really love uh, uh, the, the crowd lending and talking about it. It just makes me feel good. It makes me feel hopeful that there is a future where um, we can um, increase uh, uh, the, the, the wealth of the masses without confrontation. There's no need for any laws or politicians to do anything. There's no one going to, to stop you from becoming a, a crowd lender. Um, and, uh, and, and so it's, it's just this, this frictionless way. And, and on top of that, crowd lending can be automated. You don't even have to be manually doing it. It's diversified. Uh, you can get bank level diversification with crowd lending because of these low minimum investment requirements. Um, it, it, uh, the, it's a low cost of entry. So just about anybody, you know, anybody, everyone has a dollar, you know, if you have a bank account and a dollar, you can become a crowd lender. Uh, so the entry to, to barrier, the barriers to entry is virtually non-existent and I'm, I'm offering a community uh, where we can support one another uh, to, to make crowd lending uh, a, a go-to vehicle of change in reforming our unjust financial system. My name is Paul Lovejoy. I am a crowd investor, and I see you are one too. If you want to learn how to reform our unjust financial system uh, democratically without protesting or divisive political action, go to stakeholderenterprise.com.